Amen. Good to see you this morning. Wow. Stunned again, huh? It's all right. You, you're just, you were just in the presence of the Lord. You were just worshiping. That's good. We should, we should be that way when we worship. Can even be like Peter, like, Lord, I just want to stay here a little bit longer. So this morning, we're going to start a new series in the book of Philippians. So if you'd like to follow along, Philippians chapter 1. It's a good place to start. I'll say one thing about this, and then I'll move on. If men and women sought the one true God as much as they were seeking this eclipse tomorrow, the world would be in a lot better shape. That's all I'll say about that. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy it. I'm just saying I would rather seek out the creator of the sun and the moon than the sun and the moon itself. So, all right. I've entitled this whole series in the book of Philippians, The Only Way to Live and Die. It's really a letter from Paul to the church that he was most personally acquainted with and had a greater connection to than any other local church ever while he was here on earth. And he's basically writing to them, reminding them, guys, gals, this in Philippi, this is the only way to really live and die. I mean, we can have physical life, obviously, through our Creator, but He's talking to us here about that life on a higher plane, a, the highest quality of life, the abundant life that Jesus said that He would bring to His followers. That's why if there's a key verse for me in these four chapters, this letter to the church at Philippi, it would be Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain, Paul said. He's basically saying, when it comes to true, real living, it's got to be all about Jesus Christ. He's got to be the very center of our life. Our life must be lived in partnership in fellowship with Christ. It's got to be more than just, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I believe in Him as my Savior. It's got to be, am I truly living in partnership and in fellowship with Jesus Christ? That's a difference. And I say that because we will see here very quickly into this letter some sort of results or evidences of, of a Christian that's living in fellowship or partnership with Jesus Christ rather than just one who is saved and is believing in Jesus Christ. Part of it has to do with the words that Paul chooses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and what he says. I'll, I'll direct your attention to chapter 1, verse 1. He says, this is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Servants of Christ Jesus. Devoted followers living under the authority of Jesus Christ. But that word also speaks about partnership. I live every day, in a sense, glued to Jesus Christ. I, I'm just not intellectually ascending to what I know about Jesus. I'm living in partnership with Him. 
Then he goes on to direct this letter to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. The phrase in Christ speaks of partnership. The word saint speaks about partnership. Because it talks to us about being set apart by God for His special service or purpose. Partnership. And even down in verse 11 of chapter 1. He prays for the Philippians to be filled with all the fruits of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Being partnered, if you will, or in fellowship or joined with Jesus Christ. Think of the... the uh, Picture of Jesus when he said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And you can't bear fruit unless you remain in the vine. In partnership, in fellowship with me. Our fruitfulness flows out of our partnership or fellowship with Jesus Christ. And what Paul's going to remind all of us through this letter is partnership and fellowship, and it's the Greek word koinonia that we as Christians throw around a lot, is way more than just sitting down and having a meal or a cup of coffee with another Christian. If there are two words I'd like you to just keep in mind, not only throughout the message today, but in the weeks to come as we study the book of Philippians. And even this coming week is these two words, partnership and participation. Partnership slash participation. That's all that we're going to be talking about today. In some way, form, shape, we're going to be talking about partnership and participation. Not only with Christ, but with one another. Are we living in partnership with Jesus Christ? And are we truly participating in His kingdom and with other believers in the work of the kingdom? Because Paul is saying at the end of the day that this is really the only way for us as followers of Jesus Christ to live and die. It's the only way to experience real, true living on this side of glory. And it's the only way that you and I are going to lay uh, behind us a legacy, if you will, lives that have been impacted so that even though we die, in a sense, our life and the impact and influence of our life will continue to live on for years and years and years. That's why Paul could even say in verse 21, dying is gain for the Christian. That's not just talking about the fact that when we get to heaven, yes, we get to see Jesus face to face, which will be awesome. And we get to lay aside this fallen human nature, which, which drags us down so often, which will be awesome. And all the wonders and glories of heaven. But the word is also speaking about when you and I do leave this earth when we die, it's what are we going to leave behind for others? And if you and I are living in partnership with Jesus Christ and partnership with other believers in some sense, then you and I will be able to leave behind a lot. A lot that will outlast our earthly life again for years and years and years. Well, how do we know that Paul truly lived in partnership and fellowship with Jesus Christ every day? Well, let's be reminded, this letter from Paul to the Philippian church was written while Paul was in prison. So he wasn't in the best of circumstances from a human point of view. He had chains wrapped around his wrists. 
His ankles were shackled. He pretty much didn't have a lot of freedom, if you will. He was confined to this house. That was his existence. Living under the, you know, welfare of of the Roman Empire, if you will, keeping him alive at this point. This is the circumstances out of which Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. Yet, notice in verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my every prayer for all of you. Four things, Paul says in that verse, that tells me, here's a man that in spite of where he's finding himself right now, he is living in partnership with Jesus Christ. First of all, he's thankful. He's thankful. You say, how can someone be thankful being in that circumstance? Because again, when we live in partnership with Jesus Christ, when we are in fellowship with him, we are able through him to rise above our circumstances. Our circumstances and situation does not dictate to us. Life does not dictate to us the the highs and the lows and all of that. What, What dictates and defines our life alone is our partnership and fellowship with Jesus Christ. And Paul knew that even though he was in that cell, if you will, and he was chained and he couldn't go anywhere and his human freedom was taken away, that he was linked to Jesus Christ every day. And Paul's like, I can be thankful for that. Not only that, he said, but I can be thankful for you all in Philippi because of our relationship. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. So thankfulness. How thankful are we? Do we wake up every day and, and living in partnership, realize how thankful we should be? How grateful and glad we should be for the things that God has blessed us with and for having him in our life. Mindful. The word remember means that, again, instead of Paul living in pity, having a little pity party for himself, going, oh, woe is me, all I can think about is me and my situation, Paul is saying, I'm sitting here, but my mind is not on me and my circumstance. My mind is on you in Philippi. I care more about you than I do myself. Paul's going to elaborate on that over in chapter 2. When he says in verse 4, each of you should be more concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. Mindful. What fills our mind? What are we remembering? What are we calling to mind and bringing to mind? Is it others or is it us? Then prayerful. He was able to pray and turn to the Lord Because he was living in partnership and fellowship with the Lord and he knew that the Lord was just a conversation away. And he and the Lord were going to have some talks while he was in prison. Our prayer life is fueled by our partnership with Jesus Christ. Show me a Christian who's not living in fellowship with Jesus Christ and I'll show you a Christian whose prayer life is very deficient. 
Because it is when we live truly hand in hand, arm in arm, and we link ourselves to Jesus Christ every day that that we begin to understand not only the priority that prayer should be and, and how important prayer is, but just how vital it is not only to our own spiritual life, but to interceding for other people. And then joy. Paul's joyful? How can this man again be so joyful, just so filled with gladness? He's in prison. His freedom's been taken away. He can't move. He can't go where he wants to go. He can't talk to who he wants to talk to. He's in chains. Because again, when you and I are living in partnership or fellowship with Jesus Christ, that inner sense of well-being That soul tranquility is something that that can be expressed in us towards God and even towards others. And it has nothing to do with our circumstances or our situation. It is bigger than that. It is greater than that. But it is only going to be manifested, if you will, when you and I are in partnership with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we can be a Christian who knows Jesus Christ and we're saved and we know where we're going when we die... But because of the circumstance or situation I find myself in, I have no joy. I'm not praying. I'm not mindful of anybody else but myself. Oh, woe is me. And I'm certainly not thanking God. So that's why we know right away that Paul is not sort of encouraging the Philippians to do something or go somewhere with Christ that he hasn't went himself. Paul's saying, let me share with you the benefit of being a partner with Jesus Christ every day. But then notice in verse 5, he also says, I am thankful to God and I'm remembering you and I'm praying with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your participation in the gospel. And now Paul begins to say, I'm not only blessed because I live in partnership with Jesus Christ and I have Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord of glory as my partner, one who joins me in everything that I go through in this life. I know he's right there with me all the time and that changes everything, Paul says. But I'm also thankful and mindful and prayerful and joyful for you in Philippi. You see, again, Paul had no closer relationship with any other group of Christians like he did the church at Philippi. They were special to him. Because on a human level, no no church and Paul had as deep and intimate and close a connection as Paul did to the Philippians. And Paul said, I I thank you that, that you have now chosen to be partners with Jesus Christ and that you are willing to dive in and participate in the kingdom and in the work of the kingdom. And the reason why that's so important again to emphasize today is in the church of the Lord today, we have way too many spectators and not enough participants. We have way too many Christians in local churches or even that don't go to local churches anymore, who are sitting back and basically spectating, waiting for God to do something, watching for God to do something, but they're truly not participating. They are not participants. They have not dove in and truly engaged. They're still sitting back. And Paul is saying, the only way 
to live and die in this world is for us to learn to get rid of being a spectator and to dive in and be a participant. To participate. To be a part of what God is doing. And to live in partnership, not just with Christ, but with one another. Now, I want to share with you this morning the nature of this investment that Paul is calling us all to. Because it really is an investment. When you and I partner with someone or something, or we participate in something, we're investing. And that's why the Bible many times uses that whole analogy or metaphor of reaping and sowing and the harvest that's coming. Because God wants us to understand, how can I expect to reap if I haven't sown? What kind, do I think I'm going to get a great harvest spiritually out of my life if I never invest in anything? God is simply telling us, you realize that the principle of reaping and sowing that, that happens in the physical world, in the agricultural world, is the same principle that operates in the spiritual world. I cannot expect a harvest if I haven't invested anything. I can't expect to reap something if I haven't sown. And yet again, so many Christians today, they, they want this great spiritual harvest in their life. They want to be reaping so much benefit and blessing and favor in, in so many ways, but they're, they haven't invested anything. There's no skin in the game, if you will, for them. They're not really participating and partnering with Christ and with other believers. And I want to share with you again quickly here today, first of all, that this investment took on a physical nature to it. There were literally tangible physical things. First of all, you'll notice here in verse 5, he says, I was thankful for your participation in the gospel. They were partners in the message or with the message with Paul. In other words, what that simply means is Paul saying, thank you, church at Philippi that you joined with me in getting the message of God out to as many people as possible. That's an important partnership. That's an important thing that you and I as Christians can participate in. It's one of the main things that we should. How can we get the message of God out to more people? I think that's even one of the main reasons why God led me to do this Seminar on Revelation on September 16th and then to have a message on the Sunday before surrounding it and a message the Sunday after. It's all about giving us an opportunity as a church to invite other people to come and be a part of the message of God and to do it in a very tangible way. Now, obviously, we can invite people to come to our church anytime we want to, but sometimes those special things sort of just gives us that way where we can partner together and participate in getting the message of God out to more people. Which, by the way, a lot of people are signing up. That's good. That's what God wants to see us as part of our partnership. How are you and I using our lives to get the message of God out to people? And are we partnering and participating with others to do it? That was one of the things Paul was thankful for. Also, another thing was he was thankful, verse 7, at the very end of verse 7, that they were partners in God's 
grace. They were not only partners in the message, they were partners in the means keeping this alliteration thing going. Because God's grace is really the means by which we should live our lives. In other words, I shouldn't be trying to do these things in my own power and strength, but we should be coming together and encouraging one another to continue to rely and depend and look to the Lord. That's God's grace. That's why the Bible teaches us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Because when you and I humble ourselves before God and say, God, I need you, I must rely and depend upon you, then God pours out his grace. says, here, I'll, I'll give you all the grace that you need. But when we live independently of God, thinking, I got this, God. And so what Paul was saying here, I'm so thankful that you and Philippi never tried to do you know, this partnership and participating in the work of the kingdom on your own or in your own strength, that you always were a model and example of relying and depending on the Lord and, and seeking the Lord's help and knowing that, that we need the Lord in order to succeed and prosper. There's a couple more. If you go over to chapter 2, look at verse 25. They were also partners in manpower. Because they literally sent a man, and and I think he was probably a volunteer. I think the church at Philippi said, look, we all can't go to Rome and encourage Paul and take a gift, but somebody can go. Who who would go and volunteer to sit with Paul for, for maybe several months and minister to Paul? Well, a man by the name of Epaphroditus did. And you'll notice what Paul says. He says, for now, verse 25 of chapter 2, I have considered it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you. For he is my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to me in my need. I love that. Now we're going to see later on when we get there that while he was there, he became deathly ill and he almost died ministering to Paul. But the idea here is somebody from the church at Philippi stepped up And literally said, we're not just going to love on Paul from a distance. Somebody's going to go there and be face to face with Paul. And you think about that. How cool is that? I mean, again, Paul gets all the, the headlines, if you will. But think about this. Here was a man, Epaphroditus, who from Paul's perspective, man, he was valuable to Paul. Because he came to Paul when maybe Paul needed some encouragement and just some Christian company. Maybe just somebody to read the word with and pray with every day. And he had that in this man. It's one thing to say, well, I'm going to support with my prayers and support in other ways with, with, you know, Christian ministry. It's another thing to say, but I'm going to go. I'm going to actually do. Which is why I think God encourages us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Why? Because God knows if I start praying for God to send forth laborers into his harvest, many times God comes back to the one who's praying for that and says, okay, Jeff, you go. You're you're thinking it's everybody else's responsibility. Maybe God wants you to step up and step forward and do something. And that was Epaphroditus. So they were partners in the message, partners in means, partners in manpower. They were also partners in material resources. Go over to chapter 4, look at verse 15. 
partners in material resources. And as you Philippians know, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this manner of giving and receiving except you alone. Even in Thessalonica, on more than one occasion, you sent something for my need. They gave. They were generous. They gave to the ministry of Paul. And let me say this. The Philippian church was not a wealthy church. They were actually one of the poorest churches. And yet isn't that the way it is sometimes that the people that have less are always the ones that want to give more and more? And Paul says, thank you. Now he goes on to say, I hope you didn't think that somehow I was looking for you to give me something. But he said, I'm certainly thankful for it. And he said, on more than one occasion, you ministered to my need by giving something tangible, by sending an offering or some kind of, you know, material resources my way. This is part of the way that you and I participate and and partner in the kingdom and in the gospel through our material resources through our own manpower, through the means of God's grace, and through partnering to get the message of God out to more and more people. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul said there's not only a physical nature to this investment that we should make in partnering and partnership and participation. There's an emotional nature to this investment as well. You see, the whole reason why I think Paul was really prompted to write this letter back to Philippi and send it back with Epaphroditus when he came back was Paul had heard that these folks in Philippi were so concerned about Paul. I mean, it was really bothering them that the great apostle Paul was in prison and they were so concerned about him. Because why? Because they loved him. It wasn't just a physical thing with Paul. They loved Paul. And guess what? Paul wants to show them some love back here in this letter. And he shares with us his very heart and the emotional nature of this partnership and participation that he had with the Philippians. Notice what he says in verse 7. For it is right for me to think this about all of you because I have you in my heart. Wow, that's powerful. Paul said, we're partners. We participate in the kingdom together. But it's not just a a head thing. It's a heart thing. God has knit my heart together with yours, Paul says. I can't stop thinking about you. I couldn't if, if I tried. You're in my heart. That's why I'm thankful for you and mindful of you and praying for you and joyful because of you. Because I love you and I always have you in my heart. Then notice what he says in verse 8. For God is my witness that I long for all of you. I have this yearning affection for all of you with the affection or literally the passion of Christ Jesus. Wow. Paul said, this partnership and participation that we have with one another, 
Yeah, there's some physical things about it. The message of God, the means of God's grace, literal manpower and putting skin into the game and then our material resources. But he said it goes even deeper than that. It's, it's emotional. I have you in my heart. I long for you. I can't wait if God allows for me to get out of here and get back with you all because I miss you all so very much. Because I love you with the passion and affection and desire of Jesus Christ. I want to stop there for just a moment because this is important. Everything that Paul is talking about in our partnership and participation with Christ and and with one another was true of God and is true of God toward us. And I want us to just take a moment and realize that before we move on. In other words, what I'm saying is there was a physical component to the investment God made with us. God didn't just stay up in heaven and go, hey, I, I love you down there. No, Emmanuel, God with us. And as Paul said in chapter 2 of the Philippians, he said, you realize how much Christ humbled himself. Nobody ever humbled themselves as much as Jesus Christ did because he was God and he was in heaven and he became a man and became obedient even to the point of death. And nobody physically expressed investment towards us like Jesus ever did. But he's also reminding us that nobody ever emotionally was more emotional towards us than God. See, why, if we're created in the image of God, do we not think that God doesn't have emotions if God built us with emotions? And yet the Bible tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's possible to hurt the heart of God. But I want to remind us of something here. Notice that phrase, the affection of Christ Jesus. He's reminding us that that when God invested in us, it wasn't just physical. There was emotion there too. He deeply loves you. More than you could ever imagine. He's crazy about you. He would do anything for your benefit. His passion for you is beyond measure. And so we have a God that not only is willing to physically invest in us, He is willing to emotionally invest in us. But then I want to show you this. And this may be the most important thing today. If you go back up to verse 5, I want you to see the maturity in this partnership slash participation that Paul's talking to us about. And it's six words at the end of verse five. But I'm going to read beginning in verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in every prayer for all of you because of your participation in the gospel. And here it is from the first day until now. That phrase, those six words, speak about the maturity of their participation and partnership with each other. Why do I say that? Well, they dove in with Paul because they saw something about Paul. And they said, 
We're with you, Paul. But obviously, like any of us, there's no guarantees. We don't know how this partnership and participation with each other is going to turn out, right? Just like we do in any partnership or participation. And yet Paul's saying there was a maturity about you. Because you dove in with me. In a sense, how we used to use the phrase, they hooked their horse to Paul's wagon. Not knowing where it was going to take them. Not knowing what was going to happen. And obviously we see it wasn't always unicorns and rainbows, right? There were stonings and imprisonments and all these things that they had to deal with. And yet they were there from the very first day. Think about people when they followed Jesus Christ. Think about the disciples. They hooked their wagon to Jesus Christ, not having any guarantees about how that was all going to turn out. And at least for a time, some of them left. Because it did get pretty hard. Because there was betrayal, and, and there was denials, and there was rejection, and there was arrests, and there was blood, and there was beatings, and there was scourgings, and there was a crown of thorns, and there was nails, and there was a cross. And yet God is saying to us, when you and I choose to partner and participate, There's got to be a maturity to that choice and a maturity in that choice. I'll say this. There will always be a special place in my heart here at the Oasis for those of you that came early on. Now, I love all of you. And everyone is welcome to come and join us here at the Oasis and will in the years to come, but there'll be something special about those of you that came early and have stuck with us from the beginning till now. Because can I tell you, some of the feedback I get is sort of puzzling to me. I, I've heard people say, you know, Jeff, we'll, we'll come and we'll, we'll start joining in and participating and partnering with you at the Oasis once you get your building built. As if, again... We're not legitimate until we get an official building built. Can I tell you, we're as legitimate before God in here as we would ever be anywhere else. Because it has nothing to do with buildings. And that's fine if, if they want to wait till then. But the thing is, what they don't realize is they're going to miss something by coming along when everything is maybe a little bit further along. Because see, what Paul's saying is, we've got to learn that there needs to be a maturity to our partnerships and participation with each other. Because when it comes right down to it, there are no guarantees. We don't know how all this is going to turn out. And any time we partner or participate with anyone, including God. And so often, even as Christians, we want our partnerships and our participation to be all nice and neat. We want it nice and packaged up neat with a nice little bow on it. And we don't want anything dirty or messy or smelly or, you know, inconvenient or uh, troublesome. And yet that's not life. 
That will never be what partnerships and participation is all about. It's about getting in to the scrum, if you will, and slogging through the difficulties with one another and with life. Just like the Philippians had done. They didn't know how it was going to turn out. But they said, Paul, you're stuck with us. We are going to be by your side, hanging in there with you through thick and thin. Whatever happens, whatever we have to deal with, it's not always going to be pleasant. It's not always going to be rosy. It's not going to always be sanitized. Sometimes this partnership and and this participation in what we're dealing with, it's going to stink. But we're with you from the first day until now. And Paul is saying to us here today, in this first chapter of Philippians, Guys and gals, this is the only way to really live and die. This is the only way to experience abundant life. It's to abandon ourselves and surrender ourselves as partners to Jesus Christ and partners and participants in the kingdom with one another. Because it's also going to be the only way that when we die, we leave significant things behind. And what are those significant things? They are the impact and influence that we've had on other human beings. We can live our lives for material things and invest in so many other things. But Paul is saying the only way to live and die is to invest in God's kingdom and in partnering and in participating with one another in that kingdom. And that's why Paul then could say, for me, Paul said, living is Christ and dying is gain. What investment, physical, emotional, does God want you and I to make from this message today? How does God want you and I to step up, to step forward, to step into something that maybe for too long we've been spectators? Standing back, seeing how things will go first. Before we dive in. You see, just like in life, there's never going to be a perfect time. There's never going to be a time where everything just works out perfect and all the circumstances and all the planets align to where everything's just going to be perfect for us to do anything. There's never going to be that time. So Paul's just saying to all of us, come on in. It's okay. Step into the water with me. 
If you just dive in like Paul, your body gets used to it much quicker than just going in inch by inch. Let's pray. God, I pray today that all of us would be reminded of the investment that you've made in each of us. God, you made a physical investment, an emotional investment, and you still do to this day. And the maturity of your investment is that you're in it for the long haul with us. (laughs) You're in it through the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And as Paul said to the Philippians, I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's not going anywhere with us. The question is, from this message this morning, what investment then are we willing to make in God's kingdom and in the work of the kingdom with other believers? Are we partnering with Christ and with other believers in any way, are we participants in the work of the kingdom or mere spectators? Because Paul has clearly told the Philippian church and told us today that the only way to live and die is to partner with Christ and with one another and to participate in what God is doing. God, each of us may have a different response to that truth. I just pray that, God, we would allow you to use your truth to move us in certain directions today. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.